Absolutely. But no, let, let's go kick off. Uh, everyone, welcome to Manufacturing Hub. This is a special edition. Uh, we have made it to, to episode 80. Uh, Ford is on. He is joining us. So we're, we're super excited uh, about that. As always, I know we've got lots of new folks uh, coming into all of these episodes. Uh, we are a very kind of open hour, 90-minute-ish 90, 90 uh, conversation. So if you guys have co- uh, questions about Edge, if you've got questions about industrial networking, if you've got questions about Siemens, heck, if you've got questions about just about anything, please feel free to drop them into the comments at any time during the show. And we will either answer them live during the show and continue to throw Ford on the spot, or we will make sure that the questions get answered uh, at the back end. Sometimes we're just flooded with more questions than we can possibly uh, go ahead and field. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, again, everyone, uh, welcome uh, again. Before we, uh, before we jump in, um, if you guys are going to a fun, interesting event, something you want us to talk about, please feel free to, uh, to drop us a note. We try to go ahead and work all of those, uh, those fun, interesting things in. And uh, we want to go and we want to go uh, welcome everyone on LinkedIn and also on the Solus PLC YouTube account. Uh, we get you know at least a couple hundred folks uh, listening in. Almost at 33,500 subscribers on uh, Solus PLC. So, of course, we want to thank everyone for listening in, and we want to slightly embarrass Vlad. Um, now, now, Ford, Vlad doesn't like to ask people to subscribe to things. But what I've found is if I ask people to subscribe to things, they subscribe to things, and they do crazy things like go and listen to the podcast and and subscribe to the podcast, and those, those numbers continue to grow. So this is the shameless Thanks, plug of – oh, absolutely. So this is the shameless plug of – Please go subscribe to the uh, the Solus PLC YouTube channel. Uh, hit the thumbs up and like and follow Manufacturing Hub. If you guys are watching us on LinkedIn, you've got myself, of course, Vlad, and also uh, Ford's uh, accounts. Please go ahead, uh, follow all of us. Everyone is uh, everyone is fairly uh, to extremely uh, on LinkedIn all the time, as as that seems to be uh, many of our lives, but uh, lives. Um, and then I guess one last thing before we jump in, if you guys want a look, I mean, a little bit more, there's not much more if you guys already watched the live show, uh, but please go check out manufacturinghub.live, which is the website, which has everything that we have. Um, there's an email that goes out every week reminding you of this live show, and then we'll have the clips and everything else uh, from the podcast as, uh, as it comes out. Uh, but no, uh, I guess without further ado. Everyone, officially welcome to Manufacturing Hub. Uh, this is episode 80. We have Ford Cheeseman of Siemens on here. And and I, and before we, we let Ford say hi, I'm not sure I could think of a better person to come finish us out. So we're going to set very high expectations. Now, not only did Bobby Cole last week uh, speak <laughs> very highly of Ford, uh, which just kind of helped thrust him into, uh, into this spotlight, but Ford has... Uh, had a very interesting career path in Siemens, working in both the industrial networking, so the hardware and a lot of the edge devices, and now is in this mind sphere that we've kind of been teasing over the last uh, three weeks. So I am sure there will be many questions from at least one person named Dave and at least one person named Vlad and uh, and whatever else the, the community has. So uh, Ford, uh, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. And thank you. <clears throat> and uh, wow, setting some high expectations for me there. I did. I did hear uh, Bobby call me out in the last episode, so uh, you know I had to agree. We will start with some easy questions for you, for though. But before we dive into maybe the technology aspects, could you give us a synopsis of how did you get started into manufacturing and what was your, uh, as Dave alluded to, career at Siemens like, and where are you today? 
Yeah, absolutely, Vlad. So, uh, you know, my my background started, well, a long time before this, but I went to the University of Florida and studied electrical engineering. And at the University of Florida, I realized it was, it was a very theoretical type of teaching. It was excellent, excellent coursework, um, but very theoretical. And I, as I went through it, I realized that I wanted to be a little bit more on the business side of things. And I had the opportunity to join Siemens since they were, they were recruiting at University of Florida. And I joined into the, the technical marketing leadership development program. And it was an internship. And got exposed to Siemens, really enjoyed it, enjoyed the industrial world, and I could feel how close the community was in the industrial world. So I continued with another internship there, went into that program uh, coming out of college, which was a two-year rotational program. And so it, it placed me working with medium voltage motors, medium voltage drives, also worked with process instrumentation and industrial communication. And I found that out of those, my passion was really in the industrial communication realm. So from there, I then managed to land a spot as one of the networking consultants. And so that's working with customers on designing industrial networking solutions and help, helping to guide them in the right direction when it comes to how to architect these systems. So I covered the Southeast in that role for about three and a half years and got the opportunity to work a little bit on the IIoT side of the fence. Uh, so the industrial internet of things, and that includes MindSphere, and we're also working very closely with Chris Liu, who you've had on the podcast mm -hmm. from, from the edge side, and it even gets down into the connected assets, which are you know, the PLCs, the HMIs, SCADA systems, and so forth. Um, so, so with that, I've, I've developed a lot of experience around different areas, and interestingly enough, I think they've, they've tie together pretty well because everything is now getting more and more connected these days. And so that industrial networking experience along with cybersecurity helps to uh, boost up those IIoT discussions because that's always, always part of the discussion there. Sure. Right, if I can ask, a, I guess, a question about the rotational program. So my assumption is that they're still in place, right? Just want to confirm that someone graduating you know, as of 2022 can still, or 2023, I guess, at this point, can still apply into one of those? Yes, so very, very good question. Actually, we are recruiting right now. So okay. if there are any students out there interested in uh, working with Siemens, I, I would encourage you to look for these rotational programs. It's not something that's only unique to Siemens, but it really gives you that experience to figure out what's a good fit coming out of college. Because for me, it was... I know there's all these different roles and sure, I want to do something related to engineering, but which particular role is a good fit for me? This allowed me to explore that. So there's some that are more technical marketing focused, some that are more engineering focused. And yeah, I did. I did graduate. They are still going on. And I'm actually co-leading the technical marketing program for our digital industries group. So okay. uh, we are recruiting. <laughs> Awesome. I, I was going to ask that as a, I guess, as a follow-up. So there are more like technical oriented program and then more like business type of paths. And I guess in your case, when you said you chose the marketing one, do you still get a lot of exposure to the various technologies like during that program? So over the two years, I'm assuming you get at least like some hands-on work like before you dive into like the marketing aspects or how, how does that work? I guess, could you paint us a picture? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's, 
So uh, during those those two years, you've got four different placements, right? So each one of those is going to be a different role with a potentially different location. Now we're in remote work. And so not not every time is it required to relocate, especially if you're um, in more of a, let's say, a more marketing role of sorts. Uh, but I, I will say when we, this this most recent class, when they first came in, uh, the the first week we were in Atlanta together and I, one of the new TMLDPs had a drive demo, a big old thing, big heavy thing, you know, heavy drive demos are, right? And so he had that sitting on the desk and he's like, this is my baby for the next six months. And so his job right out of the gate was to teach himself with assistance from those in the group, right? How to make this drive demo uh, operate properly so that then he could go out and teach others how to demonstrate this with customers, with our partners. And so you do get that hands-on experience and it's certainly still technology focused, uh, but in that technical marketing version, you, you just turn it to how do you convert that into the value that customers are and companies are looking for, you know, like, uh, and, and how do we train up our partners and, and teams to help go out and promote this, this equipment. So awesome. Does that answer That'll the be, question? Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And so fast forwarding to today, uh, you made the decision of going into the IIoT space. Is there, I guess, a, a reason why? Is it just the love for technology? Do you see a lot of growth in it? Was there, you know, a lot of openings, interesting things to learn, like all of the above? Like what's the, what was the rationale of picking IoT as your next uh, position at Siemens? Yes, that is a that is an excellent question, and I think I think it comes to the what I've what I've seen in industry is that there's going to be a closer interaction between the the software and the automation pieces uh, that have traditionally been a little bit more separate between the IT and the OT world. We've seen a lot of integration. I mean, like SCADA systems, for example, that's a big big piece of the automation side, but some of the software offerings, uh, they they work hand in hand with the automation uh, technologies that we have today. So, uh, getting that experience on the software side of, of Siemens, I think, was going to to serve me well. But then beyond that, certainly the interest is, I'd always heard about MindSphere and IIoT and data and how to turn data into insights. And before I was into how do you move the data or how do you at least provide that that uh, obstruction-free and safe channel to move that data in the networking world. And so this allowed me to explore the, what are we going to do with that data now, right? How do we turn it into something that's going to solve a problem or help uh, reach goals of an initiative? So it it was it was driven by that, but I will say it, it was an initiative within Siemens. It's actually a program where I'm doing an exchange into the software side, because again, we want our you know software and automation uh, groups come closer together as we move forward. Mm -hmm. And I will be returning back to, to the industrial networking world here in about six or seven months. So not gone for long, but just getting a taste of that IIoT, right? Gotcha. And, and I guess we did want to have a conversation, you know, with you, especially coming from that, I want to say like more like data acquisition slash like data transmission world and how that fits into the picture of IIoT. And there's certainly a number of protocols in the industrial space, you know, that I want to say we're all struggling with, if I can, if I can use that word. 
because <laughs> you know there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of I want to say like players in the space and they all uh, have like different advantages disadvantages if you want to put it that way but uh, what are your thoughts I want to say on the like complexity of the transmission protocols but also I, I think we want to touch a little bit more into the innovation that comes in at you know like 5g and that's slowly permeating into like industrial plants so what are, what are your thoughts around uh, protocols yeah so I, I think from a, a level of looking even just at protocols right it's um it it can sometimes be more of even like an it type of topic right because we're talking about the transmission of data and and this is traditionally coming out of the it world and and now it's something that we're dealing with day to day in the in the automation realm. So it is oftentimes uh, something for us. It's it's difficult to kind of wrap our minds around, and maybe something that's like, eh, maybe that's better left untouched, right? <laughs> and just go with, just go with what's recommended. Um, but yes, it, it is it is complex. Um, you know, even your session with uh, I believe it was Alan who had. Design MQTT, right? Oh, uh, yeah, Al Nipper. Now he, I mean, he designed that. I think it was back in the late '80s or, or early '90s. And just now, is it really, you know, in the past five years, is it really being so well adopted? Because somebody, hey, that's a golden nugget we haven't we haven't turned over and used yet. So it's um it's an always evolving space. There's there's time sensitive networking. That's going to be coming out. That's that's another interesting topic, and I think it's going to do a lot to uh, really serve the purposes of automation systems that need that deterministic communication. What is Basically, that time sensitive networking? So time, yes, uh, time. It's been a little while since I've, I've touched deep on it, but time sensitive networking essentially it's it's a new way of communication that guarantees low latency or deterministic communication within all systems uh, through different different types of protocols being utilized across those systems, right? Okay. Um, yeah, so, so it's a method for, uh, if we think about the real-time Profinet communications, right? That if a PLC sends a message, it needs to have a response within X amount of milliseconds or else it's gonna fault out and system goes kaput, right? But um, it allows, not only that real-time deterministic communication to flow across that path, but other types of communication that aren't necessarily real-time to flow across that same path and still maintain that deterministic nature. So uh, it's, it's a, the, the thing is, is it, it will require new hardware across all of automation, right? So in, in especially in switches and those types of devices first, it's, it's a pretty deep topic. You could probably do a whole podcast on it if you got the right person at that. <laughs> but so I guess like the ultimate, well, I guess I understand the challenges, but the goal is to provide a like very high speed, reliable network. Is that kind of the, the premise of this? Is this going to be a, I guess a, a better question, is this going to be a protocol first or is this going to be a methodology of implementing or synchronizing various protocols? Seems like we lost Ford it, it for almost maybe just yes. a second. Okay, it says Ford is connecting back to uh, to audio. I, I think Vlad is once again asking too difficult of a question uh, immediately. 
I, I also think Ford might be calling out himself as what he wants to talk about the next time uh, he comes on to uh, to Manufacturing Hub, where we talk about all of these high speed need it right just the second uh, networks, which uh, which is something that uh, that Vlad and I have certainly talked about, and certainly think that uh, I certainly think that would be of interest as uh, as we move forward. Uh, we're going to give Ford just a second to watch uh, jump back on. He is uh, he is in Florida. He is safe um, in Florida uh, currently on the East Coast. But uh, but as I think with everyone in Florida, um, th- there is always those opportunities that, uh, that we may cut out during, I don't know, the best of times. And there's a there's a storm of some sort. And so certainly as we've got a hurricane um, coming through, uh, we will give him just a minute in order to uh, in order to jump back on. But I was going to say the, the next topic we're going to move to, it's kind of been teased for the last three weeks. Right. So starting with Chris and. And concluding up through Bobby um, has been this mind sphere, right? And so th- this is what Ford has been working on as we were talking about the IIoT. And Vlad has committed himself to being the, well, between the Vlad and I, the expert in this conversation of mind sphere. So uh, you, you spent two, uh, you spent the last couple of days uh, doing some, some sessions and learning a little bit about these services. Ledge, you want to give the, the listeners a bit of an overview as to as to what you guys uh, what you've been learning in these uh, in these Siemens IIoT Siemens MindSphere classes. Sure. Uh, I guess first of all, I was going to say that we've gotten a couple of links that uh, describe time sensitive networking, both from okay. Wikipedia and from uh, Siemens side. Um, as well as Dallas Levine, who also stepped in to make a few comments. Um, yeah, so I'm currently in the class for Siemens Learning Edge. And so what we've been doing is deploying the software on their hardware, which is the 227E uh, IPC. And ultimately, we're reading currently some tags and values from uh, S7-1500, as well as an attached uh, HMI to that hardware. And so at this point, we haven't dove into MindSphere yet. It was presented as one of the ways that we can send or relay data to, and we're going to touch on that tomorrow. But we've certainly looked at a number of applications and how that data can be ingested from uh, any device, and it works with OPC, it works with Profibus, Ethernet. So there's a, just a different way of uh, getting the data, and then you can process it e- either on the edge or send that or funnel that to MindSphere. And as I said, we're going to look at that tomorrow. Uh, that being said, I mean, maybe Dave, we can orient this conversation as well as, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of challenges are we seeing when it comes to edge solutions? And maybe, you know, like I'll throw out a couple of ideas at you while uh, we wait for Ford to reconnect. So I think number one, it's uh, it's the scaling aspect, right? And mm-hmm. so we see Ford is connecting back on in just a second. Um, but so scaling, you know, going... So Ford, we are just like catching up with you reconnecting. We were talking about <laughs> edge solutions and what I've been learning in the class, but maybe also talking about some of the, the challenges, you know, of um, edge and how maybe manufacturers should start thinking about them. Uh, but if we want to maybe go back to the network slash what's happening on the 
I think we wrapped up the conversation on the time-sensitive networking, and we're waiting to hear from you about you know 5G and other protocols that are coming into uh, manufacturing. Uh, sure, yes. And I, I apologize for the uh, disconnect. I, I will say I am in Florida. Am I coming through okay, Vlad? We can hear you well, but the image is a little bit choppy. Okay, well, I, I will say I'm in Florida where the hurricane is coming through. So I'll, I'll just continue talking and uh, hopefully the, the image isn't, isn't too choppy. So, um, so uh, okay, so 5G, that's, that's a big, right? Everyone talked about 5G and I, I imagine that Wi-Fi 6 is also a part of that discussion because Wi-Fi 6 is a potential um, consideration or not necessarily a replacement, but it's another option uh, when we when we start to talk about 5G. Uh, just a mic check. We're good? Yeah. Yep, yeah. We can uh, hear you. A few Excellent. hiccups good, at the good. beginning, but I think you were coming through really well towards the end. So I think we're good. Okay. I saw... I saw Vlad's facial expressions and I felt like there was something <laughs> going on. There. It's good. It's good. We're good. <laughs> cool. Cool. So, um, yes. So when it, when it comes to, to 5g, um, so everybody sees 5g right now on their, on their cell phones, uh, if you've got the newer versions, right. And, uh, we're, we're now seeing 5g come into industry. And so there are, there are big promises from 5g. Uh, when we look at what they call new releases, uh, so the some of the most recent releases we had version 16, uh, and then also uh, version version 17 just even more recently. But the thing is, is that when they release these standards documents, is it takes some time from when those standards are released to the actual hardware implementation and development. And so currently, what what we're seeing is with with 5G. Um, we, we have some devices out there that will provide you that remote accessibility at a higher bandwidth current, currently, right? So that upgrade from 4G that we first experienced. Mm -hmm. And then as we move into the future, what we'll see is uh, implementations with uh, version 16 is going to include ultra-reliable, low-latency communication and very high-density implementations of 5G and even private 5G networks, mm -hmm. and so with with all of those combined, what you what you get is a really good recipe for utilizing a form of wireless communication within an industrial environment, right? Okay. Um, the uh, the ultra reliable low latency is necessary to move traffic that is like we were just talking about deterministic, right? It's mm -hmm. got to be there when you expect when you expect it to be there. Um, even layer two traffic, try not to go too deep on the on the networking terms, but layer two being uh, something that is not IP based, more Mac based communication can now travel across 5G. Right. And then we're talking about very, very high density implementations where you might have many different IoT devices connected within a factory. Um, so and, and I mentioned Wi-Fi six as an alter not a substitute but an alternative uh, because Wi-Fi 6 has many promising offerings as well because when you when you look at Wi-Fi 6 there's there's a lot of bandwidth there it's public bandwidth 
that you can utilize. And there's, and it's very high speed like 5G. It's, you can make it very deterministic like 5G. Um, so it's, it's going to be a consideration of the, the different or, or the, the application at hand as to decide whether you go with like Wi-Fi 6 or, or say 5G. So hopefully I didn't go too far off the topic there. I guess for to clarify a little bit, right, like having maybe worked in facilities that never use wireless devices, like what are some of the challenges that these systems help solve, right? Like, I, I mean, in my mind, from like a cost mm-hmm. standpoint, like immediate benefits is obviously you're saving on installation time and like cabling. But what's, you know, what kind of problems are the customers facing so that they would consider you know, fully wireless or partially wireless implementation. And that also requires these like very high speed signals. Certainly. So that's a, that's a really good place to start because, um, and in most scenarios where I see wireless communications being used, it's going to be in, it's going to be where you have moving equipment where it's not cost effective or rather it's cost prohibitive to make a physical connection. Um, or that physical connection would not be reliable, such as if you have an automated storage and retrieval system that's running up and down a, uh, a track, right? Over time, that's going to wear down that copper cable. And also when there's far reaching areas that aren't easily connected. So maybe that's, uh, let's say you've got a tank that isn't right next to the manufacturing facility. It's maybe a thousand feet around the corner on, on the site. And so that's, that's typically where I do see wireless communication come into play. Um, with 5G though, you, you wouldn't have a hardwired connection or again, be cost prohibitive to have the company run a wire out to say like a pumping station in the middle of Idaho for for natural gas. Absolutely, I would Cut say both of those. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say I will. I'm going to add on to, to what Ward was saying. So I've done a a not insignificant amount of, especially industrial wireless, and, and I would say it's not just even the cost of running like the the Cat five, Cat six cable, or the other cables that we're running out there. It's that we also have to generally run power out there to a lot of those devices. So I see a lot of industrial wireless doubling up with battery powered devices. Oh, and we, we lost for it. So I, I will, I'll continue. So I see a lot of industrial wireless doubling up with battery powered devices. Uh, so that could be a facility as Ford mentioned, you know, they are a thousand feet away from wherever they've run anything or they're looking to expand and they don't have the twenty dollars to $50,000 it would take to extend all of the cabling, all of the, excuse me, all of the cabling, all of the power uh, to those places. Um, I, I see it, especially if you're measuring like temperature and humidity and you're measuring on top, like in, towards the roof of a facility. I see lots of those. And then especially as, as Ford was kind of alluding to as, as he was chopping up a, a bit for a moment there. Uh, kind of remote stations, right? So I see remote pump stations. I see remote wells. I see a bunch of places that, hey, I can go put a battery powered device. It will go live there for three to five years and I don't have to worry about it. Or I can put a solar panel out there 
small solar panel and it will basically be good infinitely and you can do it at a fraction of the cost of just what you know 2000 meters of cable would cost uh so i think that there are certainly lots of those opportunities um uh, yeah so I, I certainly see lots of those opportunities and then i see some of the difference between uh wi-fi and talking about uh private lte or private uh, 5g networks as to kind of what we need to go through so so wi-fi uh, and, and I am certainly not an expert on this topic, uh, but, but Wi-Fi goes through um, some machines, some areas better. Uh, private LTE, private 5G sometimes does better depending upon machines, depending upon equipment, depending upon what is around there. So, so that is a lot of what I see people uh, kind of looking at, uh, at the differences of those. And it looks like the solution has already been launched. I don't know if Ford said that it's it's coming, but it looks like the Scalens 5G routers are already available, both for, uh, I guess, internal networks as well as uh, external receptions. We just got a yes. link from Chris. Yeah, so I, I apologize again. The uh, connection is playing games with me here. Uh, but yes, there, there is there is currently a router that that supports 5G, and like I mentioned, it's it's mostly an improvement from the the standpoint of being able to have uh, more bandwidth and yep. being able to utilize that 5G network. Whereas instead of the the version 16 release, which will be where you get that ultra reliable low latency communication, right? And I think you know, like a, a perfect example of that would be. Uh, AGVs running around a manufacturing floor, right? It's high density with a lot of communication bandwidth. You might have to have some deterministic communication. And that's, that's essentially what that is there to solve is that, that needs for those, for those types of applications. Yeah. And Chris just made a comment. So the, the 5G router will eventually be an edge device. And that's one of the points that was also emphasized in the, in the training that I'm in. So there's going mm -hmm. to be, so we've already, you know, like talked to Chris and he said that right now it's available in like the IPCs. There's a module also for the, like the S7 1500 series that just, you know, plops in the, uh, the chassis from the way I understood. And then the switches slash routers will also have a, um, a capability to have that, um, to have that platform being deployed on them. So essentially you don't, mm -hmm. you're not going to need an extra piece of hardware to uh, take advantage of uh, edge slash IIoT. But no. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that uh, computing power is becoming more localized, right. And to many of these different devices there that you would, that you uh, would have ex in the past, just expected them to be serving their own, own purpose. But now they're, they're having these edge functionalities as well. So for my next question, you know, and we talked a little bit about this off stream is that I think like the space is growing tremendously fast, right? There's innovation all the time. I think Siemens is certainly delivering a number of hardware products, but also software solutions. I think the app marketplace is growing all the time. Uh, I think there's a process from, again, from the way it was explained to me, you can also develop your own apps and then you can submit them to Siemens through an approval process and it can be put on the marketplace. Um, I think like the question that I always hear from at least like the people that I talk to in the manufacturing plants is that the complexity is 
expanding, the possibilities are expanding, but people are getting maybe intimidated by where do we get started? What's the maybe like low hanging fruit? How do we maybe experience uh, an edge solution and figure out what the first maybe like three steps are? Absolutely. So that's that's a very good question because it, it can be a lot of different options out there and a lot of different information, a lot of different directions to go. And what I would encourage those to try that are interested in exploring these solutions and are looking for solutions to their problems mm-hmm. is to identify those problems, right? That, that you are having an issue with. Um, speak with somebody that, that could provide some insight into how these edge and cloud technologies could, could help you solve that problem or on kind of the flip side, achieve a strategic initiative that they're, that you're looking to, to accomplish and start small, right? It's, it's from, from my point of view, I think finding that low hanging fruit, as you said, is the most important piece because as you start to work with this technology, uh, the mind just kind of starts to, to start running, right? It wants to start running and thinking up new, different, innovative areas because that will be very applicable and very useful for the many different um, applications that uh, that are being run at the manufacturing level, at the OEM level. Um, so, one of these, for example, just to just to throw out an example of one of the customers that we have worked with, they they were having an issue with one of their drives on their palletizer. And this is a uh, consumer products company and they basically are the palletizers there to palletize all the goods as they're coming off the line. And the problem was, is that this was the bottleneck for the facility. And so if that, if that palletizer goes down, they can't ship product. So that causes costs up to $40,000 an hour if they shut the plant down. Right. And this can all be attributed to one one drive that is failing on this system. So how do you how do you figure out what's causing that system to fail? How can we detect if that system's going to fail so we can take corrective action? Um, that's that's where I think is a good example starting point would be for edge and cloud application in this space. So in in this scenario, they they put an edge device there to do high frequency data collection and pump that data up into the cloud. And then once in the cloud, you're you're able to gain deeper insights into, okay, what were the conditions prior to failure? Was the temperature going up? Was the current rising? Is um, is there any any additional things like uh, that, that could have been going wrong within the system? And as you can identify those causes of that failure, now you can detect and also detect them ahead of time to prevent critical failures in the future. So you can schedule preventative maintenance. And then therefore, ultimately at the end of the day, the goal is to save that $40,000 an hour in downtime, right? Mm-hmm. But you're trying to solve it with some of these innovative solutions. So that's just an example. And I'm sure there are many different issues and problems that are encountered in many different industries and applications. And I guess like going back to the, uh, the mind sphere question. Can you maybe like paint a, a picture of how that fits in, like into the example? So mind sphere, again, I've not gotten some like hands-on learning yet. I'm hoping that tomorrow we'll uh, get to experience it. But ultimately, it's the cloud 
solution, right? Like on the Siemens side into which you can send, you know, the data that you've described and then be able to do some processing and analytics and ultimately present it in some kind of a meaningful way. And I guess mm -hmm. in the application or send it to like as an alarm, maybe like what's the, I guess like I want you to paint a better picture of the ecosystem of how that data flow would. Gotcha. Happen. Absolutely. So, so once that, that data comes into the edge system, it's processed because it's high frequency data. That's one of the reasons to utilize an edge component on site. Uh, then it's sent to the cloud. And so in the cloud MindSphere, it's a IIoT platform, right? That has many different applications on it. It's kind of like if you were to go into uh, the app store on your phone and want to download different applications, um, these different applications will utilize the data that you have pumped in to the system, kind of like the data on your phone. And you can um, then process this data, whether it be for dashboarding, to create dashboards for anything from mapping your KPIs, how is your overall equipment effectiveness, how much downtime have we had, or is it how much downtime have we had on this machine, right? And then what, what you can do is all the data is still there in the background that's being utilized. So you can dive deeper and deeper and understand the conditions around a particular event. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I was going with that palletizer example. Uh, now there are other applications that, are, that can be utilized for different purposes that are, for example, app, or artificial intelligence, predicting when a failure might occur. Uh, predicting if if we see an anomaly on a manufacturing line or in a machine or and then also others for many many different use cases such as energy management are you trying to reduce your carbon footprint uh, are we making the most use of our machines during the proper times where we're not being charged for for the uh, the peak charges from the electric company um, and if you want to even take it further, uh, there's, there's the concept of the digital twin, which I believe you covered with, with Calm. Mm -hmm. And to make a digital twin even more realistic, you have to put real data into that digital twin. So you can, you can essentially close that loop of the digital twin. And by getting this real data into MindSphere and pumping that back into your simulations for the most realistic and accurate uh, simulations for for your systems. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I I hope that paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, maybe as a follow up, and I think a, a good point that uh, Bobby Cole made last week, which is that ultimately it's important also to consider, I think, the operators of the machines, and you know, like maybe let's keep going with the question of the palletizer. But I wanted to touch up on the the human aspect of, you know, deploying these edge devices, but also I want to say like the challenges of understanding the person that's going to get this data and be able to, I think ultimately like drive the right decisions and maybe make improvements to what data is needed. Right. So again, like maybe on the same track of that palletizer example. So the first step would be to measure temperature, right? Well, then we see that the failure occurred and maybe there was no temperature spike. So then the operator says, well, let's look at these axes of motion or maybe some other parameters of the machine. So how do you, I think in the big question and everyone's mind also is how do you educate the right people and ultimately bring in the right 
change management principles to empower the people, right? Like, I guess like that's the wording I would use. So mm-hmm. fairly broad question, maybe long-winded just a little bit in, in, in Dave's world, but uh, what are your thoughts in change manage- management when it comes to IoT and Edge? I got it. I got the question. Good. So, and, and, and you bring a really good element into this. Um, what Bobby Cole had said, uh, you know, Bobby's a good friend. He, he mentioned that he, one of the first things that he does when he's going in to solve a problem is he talks to the operators, right? Because they're the ones working with the machines, working with the equipment day in, day out. So they know, um, at least from their, from, from where they're at, what, what issues they see, um, how they would like the machine to run more efficiently and how it could be better optimized for, for their uses, which ultimately leads to greater satisfaction within um, the workspace, right? And so by consulting not only the engineers or maybe there's a digitalization leader within the company, bringing all the stakeholders to the table that will be making use of the technology is very important, right? Because everyone has different goals and, um, making sure that you can find the best way to align those goals to obtain whatever that, that future state that you're shooting for, right? If it's, we want to increase throughput by one, by, by 15% this year, or we want to decrease downtime by 30 or by 20% this year, 30% this year, then, you know, understanding how that impacts these different stakeholders is very important. And by getting them together, in a table, maybe maybe a representative from from each different group that would be involved in the project is very important to get those different perspectives because uh, those different perspectives are very valuable and there are many many different golden nuggets that come out of those conversations for sure. Dave, what are your thoughts? Uh, I want to give you maybe a chance to ask a question on the topic. I know that you're certainly working in operational excellence, so this is probably a discussion that comes up very often on your side as well. Absolutely. I would say that uh, I think both Ford and Bobby uh, bring up good points, right? I think they bring up good points. I think they bring up best practices. As, as I like to say, a good, stable organization knows in- intuitively and internally 90% of what they need in order to succeed. It is the goal of the outside facilitators to come in and, and make sure that that 90% is being heard and find ways to to go help make the organization better. Um, I I think that all of the examples uh, that we talked about are really good examples. Uh, I'd also like to to throw another example um, in there. I think quality is a big example, right? So there are a lot of organizations that do quality by hand, by eyeballs and are saying, hey, this is good. Um, Visual inspection, individual inspection of of quality is, is horrendous, right? Um, if the three of us were to go sit and go look at some, almost anything coming off of a line, I can almost guarantee within the first 20 minutes, we would miss a glaring quality issue because we've just gone blind because at some point they all look the same. So, um, Yuri back in episode 78 had a great example of being able to go train, uh, kind of data models. And uh, I think that this is a great use case for the combination of edge and, IIoT or Edge and MindSphere, right? To be able to go train models to say, hey, let's go look at this. Let's go reject the rejected parts and, and be able to uh, to go down that path. And, and I think that that's a very good leverage of being able to, to help humans do jobs that, I mean, humans weren't necessarily designed 
uh, to, to be able to do at the beginning. Um, and I, I do want to touch on some more applications. I do want to touch on some more minds here, but, but first we've got some people to thank, right? Uh, so as I said at the beginning, we, we'd absolutely like to thank Siemens uh, for sponsoring this entire Edge ecosystem uh, series uh, throughout the month of September. Um, going in, I, I think that uh, we have four interesting conversations set up. And I think now that we're getting close to the end of it with, with Ford, I, I think we've just only briefly touched the, the very beginning of what the Edge ecosystem looks like. And there will have to be many more conversations on Edge ecosystem and as we follow how it involves with, with networking, with 5G, with Wi-Fi 6, and everything beyond that. Uh, so we want to ask, is, is <clears throat> excuse me, so data is being generated continuously on your shop floor. Are you benefiting from it? Or would you like a faster and easier way of analyzing your data so you can acquire valuable insights? Siemens Industrial Edge will help you get the most out of your production data and optimize your machine and plant availability and performance. It also gives machine builders the opportunity to develop new service strategies and business models. Industrial Edge represents an open, ready-to-use edge computing platform consisting of edge devices, edge apps, edge connectivity, and an application device and management infrastructure. And honestly, I think we hit on almost all of those already in, uh, in Ford's conversation. So, so good job, Ford. Right. And so all of this together makes it easier to collect and analyze data from industrial resources, enables a faster and more reliable rollout of apps on the shop floor and provide central management for devices and apps with maximum scalability. And there's no need to intervene in the existing automation system, which I think is a huge bonus to everyone. You guys can go ahead and find out more. We'll, we'll go drop the link below, or you guys can go check out Siemens and hit the industrial edge or the industrial edge platform. And there is tons of reading and at least a three-day class that the flat is in the middle of. Um, but I, I kind of want to touch on, on that, right? I want to touch a little bit more on the app. So the, the concept behind MindSphere is it's basically an industrial app store, right? And people can go build apps. And then once they've built the apps, they can either use them for their customers or they can go sell them to the, the entirety of the ecosystem. Um, and I know Bobby was saying that he was working with a company and they deployed MindSphere, they deployed a series of apps across every single one of the machines, right? So you've got the ability to leverage it by plant uh, or by machine. Uh, do you have, like, I guess, what, what's the customer feedback been of that model? Because that model is, is generally very different than what we typically see. So, so what's been the feedback upon the, the application uh, model, Ford? Yeah, absolutely. So it's... Um... Certainly, certainly with the application environment, it's it's nice because we are we're certainly able to work with partners and others that are able to generate these new applications that are well beyond what we could ever think of, right? And mm -hmm. um, with that, what what's able to be done is new application areas with uh, specific applications in different industries can be developed, and then those that are operating in these in these industries with those with those application areas can then utilize these these apps that are being sold on the marketplace developers can come together if they would like to create their own applications um, if, if they see or find a need there in terms of having the application architecture it is it's nice because it is able to you're able to allocate the different applications to the different purposes right so it's almost like you would go into 
maybe your maps application if you're going to go down the street to uh, find a restaurant. But if you're but if you want to go communicate with somebody professionally, you'd go to probably LinkedIn. Right. Um, there's there's different purposes for different applications. And it helps because you can also from a user management standpoint, if you have somebody that is, say, higher up management interested in only like the KPI area of the data that's being collected, how the let's say an example of a manufacturing plan, how the plan is performing at a higher level, you can limit their views so they're not overwhelmed by all these different applications. But if you get the engineers in there, the data scientists or uh, those that are in operational excellence, they can dive deeper into the data if there is an issue, um, adjust the no the necessary notifications that can be sent out from the system. So that's that's the benefit of having those multiple applications, I believe. No, absolutely. I, I like that. I, I think that it's very interesting. I know some groups who have built on MindSphere and other kind of edge devices. Um, and the, the way that they've built them allows them to kind of either sell internal to their customers and kind of protect themselves and their intellectual property and be able to scale it nearly infinitely and, and also kind of go offer them into the broader market and the broader store. And I would imagine it's a very good feeling when you wake up, call it Tuesday morning and, hey, someone has just purchased, you know, your application and is interested in using it. And, you know, three days later, they purchased five more or 10 more machines. And, and suddenly you now have a, a bit of a footprint, you know, half a world away because the value that you are creating uh, from your applications and from your services. So I would imagine that that's a good feeling. I personally think that we are going to see more and more ecosystems kind of move that way so that it's less proprietary software that has a ton of technical debt and more kind of open solutions that everyone can get the benefits of learning and knowledge uh, cross industry pollinated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, yeah, the, yeah, the certainly openness, having it be interoperable with other systems, that's all very, very important. And certainly things that um, we see even as part of the uh, accelerator that we, that we see being rolled out from Siemens. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but like you said, it's ultimately, if you, if you want to keep that application just for your own use, right. If it's, if it's something that's proprietary, no need to share it, but if you'd like to, and maybe make a few bucks off of it, you can as well. <laughs> I like that. Um, can, can we can we tease out what you guys are doing with the accelerator uh, a little bit more? I'm, I'm sure it's more than a three-minute or a five-minute conversation for it, but I'd love to know a little bit more, uh, may, maybe tease it out as a as a setup to a future episode in which we talk more about, you know, accelerators and, and different things different groups are doing within the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I, I can give a little quick synopsis on it, but I, but I do agree hundred percent. It could be, it could be a, a full deep dive. Um, there actually is a, a YouTube video that does the full announcement from Siemens about the accelerator, which is designed to be really a, an integrated system of hardware and software solutions uh, that are brought together, that are open, that are interoperable, uh, that are easy to use and they're offered as a service, right? And with that, there's also uh, the intention is to have a marketplace that's being uh, built out. And so when inside that marketplace, there will be basically the ability for not only uh, companies and Siemens to come together to make 
exchanges, but also you have the ability for developers to, to come in and create their own solutions on top of the Siemens platforms and then you or softwares as well. And you can bring in and beyond just the developers, you can bring in partners as well to provide this, the necessary services that uh, would be needed to implement and roll out an entire program uh, around these these hardware and software solutions that are all IoT enabled, right? And so that's that's really the the direction that we see automation going is a lot more interoperability between the hardware, software, and you know you're not always just going to have Siemens equipment. Let's face it, mm-hmm. you know most most people uh, are. Are, are have we allowed to say that? Is John going <laughs> to go give us hate mail for allowing you to say that and not bleeping that out for? Yeah, you might have to go back and bleep that out. But yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll bleep see. that out. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll bleep it all out in post. Just uh, one of the entire clips is just going to be us bleeping out uh, a variety of, of other words. It will, uh, it'll be the most viral clip we've ever done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it's, but it's, a, it's a reality, you know? I mean, whether it's, um, you know, through an acquisition or different interests or changes in the plant um, in terms of what type of automation systems are being utilized, it's important to be interoperable because ultimately at the end of the day, you want that ecosystem to work without having to go in and swap out every single thing in the plant. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not it's not necessarily you have to go out there and, and rip and replace everything. It's designed to be something that you can expand and grow with, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that, that that's a good view because not I, I would I would say I know very few facilities that have standardized on one manufacturer in general, right? And maybe one but then you go and look at sensors or you go and look at industrial wireless or you go look at something else. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to standardize on my PLCs and my IPCs for this brand. But maybe I'm going to go do my industrial Wi-Fi on another brand and maybe my routers and other things are on a third brand and all of my switches. Like we might standardize on brands, but very rarely are we standardizing on one kind of mega industrial automation brand all the way up and down. So I think that, that that's a very positive, uh, I think that's a very positive outlook that moving forward, especially with some supply chain issues that we've been having, and we, we may or may not have noticed those in the last couple of years. I mean, everyone other than Vlad, because Vlad is, is well stocked up, if you guys can see behind <laughs> him. Um, everyone other than Vlad has been having some supply chain issues. And so uh, for, for many customers, many clients, I think it's at some point you have to get what you can take or you can have to take what you can get in order to, to stay up and running. So it will be interesting to see how that goes. But uh, to Ford's point, if you can kind of own the edge application ecosystem and allow it to run across all edge devices, then you suddenly have the opportunity to kind of capture that, that next level of business and you're adding the value to the bottom line of the end users. And at the end of the day, that's what they really care about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, if you think about OEM systems, you know, you're not always going to be able to dictate what an OEM is putting into their systems, right? So mm-hmm. it's typically a mix, mixed match, right? Absolutely. And I would say, you know, to, to that point, maybe give a quick systems integrators perspective. I think it's, there's pluses and minuses, right? Like being locked in to systems, but uh, I would definitely say that the ability to try something new and different, especially 
you know, that has a big plus over what you're currently using is extremely important. And it's almost frustrating being the engineer that's being told no, you know, by like very higher ups because we are locked into this one brand. And it's, uh, it, it, I would say there's a missed opportunity in not being able to use something outside of your current uh, products of hardware. But no, uh, I guess as a follow-up question, so Ford, I think, you know, we talked about the growth of Mindsphere and how apps are being onboarded. Could you talk to us more about that process, right? So as I've told you a little bit earlier, from my understanding, anyone can download an app and then they submit it to Siemens to be tested. Like, what does that like process look like? How can, you know, if I'm an engineer at a plant and I have a really cool process of, for example, like gathering or analyzing a piece of data that I think might be useful in, you know, like my same space. And obviously I'm allowed to share because there's certain intellectual property that you don't want to just submit from your company that gets cross-pollinated elsewhere. But all that aside, I guess my question is, what is the process for someone who has developed an application they believe is a good offering for MindSphere to get that application into MindSphere like? You know, that's a that's a really good question. I I do know that there is there is a review process that needs to happen for the application to make sure it fits the uh, you know the basics the basic fundamentals of the platform to be uh, you know basically interoperable, open to working uh, with the other applications within MindSphere, for example. But when it comes to I I can speak to partners, how partners have done it in the past, right? We've we've typically worked hand in hand with partners and they've developed a an idea of an application that they want to build, right? And then they they basically bring that to us. We can also work with them along the way. And and um, maybe it's a co-creation effort as well. And then it, once it goes through that review process, then it is added to the store. So as for the actual, uh, you know, if it was, let's say, let's say, Vlad, you wanted to create an application tomorrow and post it to the store, I would, I would have to dig a little bit deeper to get you more information on that. Gotcha. So, no. I think it's an interesting perspective that you've just walked us into, Vlad. So, so in the last three minutes, we've all realized that Vlad is the engineer that always wants to bring the wrong color PLC onto the plant floor. And he also wants to take all of the trade secrets that he's learned from your facility and just post them on the internet. Um, so so I, I think that is a very interesting perspective of, of the controls engineer um, uh, or, or the integrator. So, but no, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I will be, so I guess I, I have been aware of, you know, MindSphere for what, five, six years, kind of since its initial inception. And, and I think it's been a great idea since the very beginning. I look forward to kind of continuing and following uh, what, what this ecosystem looks like. And I look forward to kind of continuing to see how people leverage it. I think one of the best parts about kind of a variety of edge devices that you can, uh, and uh, kind of the, the ability to build your own application is some of the best applications will be nothing that we talked about right now, right? It'll be like someone who has a strange extruder or other problem. And they're like, I fixed this, you know, six times. I'm going to go put this as an edge application. And then 
four years from now, it's got 20,000 downloads because it's the biggest problem that no one talked about or everyone kind of fuddled around with at their own facility in order to try it. And so that is one of the most exciting things for me when we look at applications like this. I've seen other platforms, right? And it's like, well, I don't think that that makes sense for me. But if someone has posted this and I can see that, you know, a thousand people have bought it, this is obviously a problem for, for a large group of people. So I, I love those. I, I love kind of all of that. Uh, I, I'd like to, to redirect to, to Ford for a moment. So, so Ford, but before we go and start to ask you kind of the typical wrap up questions, I mean, we, we've talked all the way from the, the top of the cloud and all of the edge applications and MindSphere. We've talked about industrial networking. We've talked about a ton of controllers and everything else. Have we missed anything that in your storied career of Siemens is like very important to, to this edge ecosystem. I, I feel like we've touched on a bunch, but I want to make sure that we, we've hit everything as, uh, as, as we go through this. You know, one, one other thing that comes to mind that I would encourage everyone just to, it, it's always a topic, right? It's always something that should be in the, in the if not the back in the forefront of the mind uh, when looking at automation systems and going into new projects is to consider cybersecurity of the systems and that is um you know we and many in the industry follow a defense in depth concept where you're Mm -hmm. protecting it from a a physical perspective you're protecting it from a network perspective and then you're protecting it from an individual asset uh component right so um you know just just keep cybersecurity in mind when you're exploring uh, different solutions and make sure that that is something that, that uh, you are considering. I know personally working for Siemens, I know that we do an excellent job with the, uh, with the product lifecycle development. And there are many different standards out mm-hmm. there that I would encourage everyone to take a look at, such as IEC 62443. I know a lot of letters and numbers, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's got some good stuff in there, right? So, and I think, I think you've hit on this, in another podcast is, uh, you know, the, the being well-rounded, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead to career advice here, but um, the, the, the being well-rounded part is to always think about outside of just what you're working on at, at hand. So to include that cybersecurity aspect as well. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I will shout out kind of all of the Siemens defense in depth classes. I don't know what the courses look like and how many of them are in person versus online since the pandemic. But I know a not insignificant, you know, group of people who have taken those those classes, those I think typically like one or two day in person trainings, and they've they've all absolutely loved them. Uh, many times they come back and tell me that we're doing things wrong, but they've all absolutely loved them and, and are super valuable. So I will absolutely shoot at that. Vlad, have you taken a defense in depth class yet? Not yet. Well, oh. We have the next class for for everyone, uh, for Vlad, everyone. So Vlad's going to be the MindSphere expert uh, starting tomorrow. And then uh, maybe October, we will get him hooked up with a defense in-depth class. Uh, October is Cybersecurity Month, and we will be having conversations around that uh, throughout the entirety of October. So uh, so all of those conversations should be good. Uh, That that sets us up very well for... uh, for the next theme so uh thank you for it I don't there think you go <laughs> I, I i don't i don't think you were aware of that um but no we, we do want to make sure that uh, we kind of ask you all, all of the normal questions and so I, I feel like half of the conversation has been you know what does the future look like but um, we're, we're going to put you on the spot what do you think that the future looks like in manufacturing in the edge iiot ecosystem uh what from your perspective where are we going 
Sure. And I think that's, that's always an interesting question. I wish I had that crystal ball, uh, but, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it would have helped me predict where this hurricane's going in Florida. <laughs> but, um, but I, I will say uh, when, it, when it comes to IIT, the industrial world automation, uh, you know, I, I think in, in six years, what we're going to see is a closer uh, realization of the physical and virtual worlds uh, together, right? So we've heard a lot about digital twins and closed loop digital twins, but I think these are going to be more heavily utilized in uh, environments where people can collaborate together on simulations in, in a virtual world to try and optimize systems um, together before actually rolling it out into a plant environment, right? So uh, this, this is in the theme with the more remote work that we're seeing, more collaboration across the world that has been going on for so long. And now, especially with Digital Twin, which is catching speed, I think we'll start to see the first full-blown iterations of this, essentially an industrial metaverse in that, in that six-year time frame. Very exciting. I, I, I like it. It's a bold prediction. We always appreciate bold predictions. I thank you for yes. it. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so... Uh, the, the next conversation we want to ask is, is do you have a book recommendation? So uh, we, we like to joke that it's our hashtag not sponsored, not sponsored audible section, because for the first, I don't know, thousand of these book recommendations, Vlad would go and immediately download it on audible. So do you have a book recommendation or two uh, for, for Vlad to add to his audible collection? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so one that a mentor has recently recommended to me that's resonated was was Start With Why, and that's by Simon Sinek. And it is about finding the purpose in what we do every day and really uh, kind of utilizing that as your foundation to propel your career forward because you can always fall back on that purpose. And so this is a bit more of a, a, a leadership type book. It's not necessarily IoT or um, sci-fi here is pretty popular, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it's it's really resonated because if, if you know why you're doing something, uh, then you feel the the need to do it well and to continue to uh, do it for even purposes outside of yourself. So if it's you know for the environment, for the future, for the next generation, and so forth, everybody has their why. I, I love that. I think that's a great book recommendation. So I don't think I've read that book from Simon Sinek. I have read some of his other books. I think they're all good i don't know if we've had that recommendation on the show i know that i've certainly seen it a few times so i'm kind of floating around the internet as a as a good book and and generally uh at least i personally agree with that philosophy i think it's it's very important and it helps kind of align everything else uh going on in your in your life and uh and in and in the world uh, so so thank you for that Ford. uh the, the next question is you alluded to earlier is, is we'd love some career advice right i think right. Uh, i think uh, looking at a lot of the, the Siemens folks that we've had on, you guys have gone through a number of these very interesting programs, right? You, you get to kind of cycle through uh, different areas, either during a college, you know, during college or immediately after college. And so I think Vlad and I, we've had a number of conversations and I think that the, the whole kind of everything around that is very interesting. So we'd love some career advice uh, from your side, please. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, so uh, from, you know, a personal experience point of view, I think for those that are going through or about to graduate, uh, that are looking for positions, I encourage you to seek out these these rotational programs that allow you the opportunity to get experience in, in many different areas. It was it was truly a huge benefit to me in trying to narrow down what what was truly my interest, where where do I want to spend, you know, the next two years of my life or at least, right? And or and then continue my career from there because um, going in with that knowledge, it's it it makes you familiar with things that you don't know coming in uh, what the different roles entail. And I'd, I'd say typically if you were to jump four positions in two years, you're probably going to have difficulty finding that fifth one without mm-hmm. being in a rotational program. <laughs> yes. uh, but, but um, separately from that um, also, I, I had a mentor one time share with me uh, that it would, that he, he recommended, you know, only, only make a major change one step at a time. So whether that's mm-hmm. in terms of the focus of what you're doing, um, right? Mm-hmm. So say like the actual role, whether that be, let's say you're in marketing and you want to go into business development, uh, then it would be best to maintain what you're working with. And so that that prevents you from having too much change at once, at, at mm-hmm. once and allows you to um, hit the hit the ground running in your in your new role. So if, if anybody's out there considering a career change or just a position change to learn more, I I encourage you to keep one of those uh, constant, but change the other. I love that. I, I think that that that's good. I think that that's good advice. I think that everyone who has been involved with either a rotational program or or a five year engineering co op program on this show has uh, spoken very highly of it for basically all of the reasons that uh, Ford just uh, Ford just put together. So uh, so thank you for that. Uh, and then I, Ford, last question for you, and, and hopefully this is the easiest one as compared to, to all of them that, that Vlad started <laughs> with. But, uh, but who should reach out to you? Who do you want to talk with? I, I think you said Siemens is hiring, looking for interns. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So um... – Really, if if you're interested in what we talked about today and want to chat further, um, you're exploring IoT solutions, happy to have a conversation about that. Um, if you are looking for a position and you're a student, I personally am helping out in the recruiting process of hiring for interns. And I believe we're hiring for um, some full times as well in other areas of these development programs. So please reach out in that in that arena. And then also I I've received a lot of coaching. Uh, throughout my time. And I like to give back and pay it forward. So if anybody is interested in just having a chat about career advice, where you'd like to go exploring new opportunities, happy to be that person. Awesome. I I think that this has been amazing. Thank you so much for it. I I think you helped kind of put together the, some of the device stuff on the, on the bottom side, on the plant floor, a lot of the MindSphere stuff, a lot of the edge app stuff on the top floor. Uh, on, yeah, on the top of the ecosystem. And I think that this is an amazing place to go ahead and and maybe conclude what I, I can only assume is the first of many edge ecosystem themes and edge uh, edge ecosystem uh, conversations that we will be having. But, uh, but thank you everyone for being here. Um, I will ask because as I said in the beginning, I have learned that if I ask for people to like and subscribe, people like and subscribe and listen to us on podcast form. So... Um, if you guys are watching us on LinkedIn, please follow Manufacturing Hub uh, the webpage. 
please go ahead and hit subscribe to Solus PLC's YouTube channel. That way Ford and I can take 100% credit uh, for all the hard work Vlad has done over the last four or five years. I feel like it's, it's only fair. If you're listening in podcast form, please rate us five stars in all the places that you can rate us five stars. Please hit the follow button or the subscribe button so it automatically downloads and, and we wind up in your podcast ears some point on Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, and a huge thank you to Siemens for sponsoring this theme and your continued support of, well, I guess, the show, the entire community, and, and everything along those lines. Until next week, we will see everyone soon. Thank you. Thank you, Bye-bye. everyone. Thank you, Ford. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave and Vlad. Yes. Appreciate it.